You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Tracy Larkins, Chris Mitchell. Tracy Larkins, Chris Mitchell. These guys know sports. Watch and welcome to Wise Guys, These Guys Know Sports on this Friday, January the 14th, in the house with your boy Trey Larkins. Everybody remember, go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram with these guys. No sports. It is NFL Wild Card Weekend. We got six big-time matchups in the NFL this weekend. I'm going to break down each game, give my prediction on each matchup, and five of the six matchups this upcoming weekend are teams that faced off against each other in the regular season. I am excited. The playoffs are here. Super wild card weekend. So many big time matchups. That Monday night matchup, another NFC West battle between Kyler Murray and Matthew Stafford. It's going to be big time in LA. And we got the Cardinals, Rams. Ooh, I can't wait for it. They said JJ Watt is going to probably play in that game. He's been practicing this week. So it's a good chance he's going to return back to the lineup for the Cardinals. He's going to help them, you know, it, it, being able to rush the passer and get after Matthew Stafford. A lot of pressure on Matthew Stafford in the Rams. I'm going to get to that game a little bit later on. Also, Sunday in Dallas, 49ers at Dallas. We got Jimmy Garoppolo going up against Dak Prescott. It's going to be a big-time matchup. Mike McCarthy against Kyle Shanahan. I cannot wait for that matchup. 4.30 Eastern time on CBS. Going to be a great matchup. Probably the best matchup of the weekend, but the Cardinals and Rams is right there as well and then we got Jalen Hurts going up against Tom Brady you know Jalen Hurts only 23 years old Brady is you know 44 years of age so big time matchups in the NFL playoffs on super wild card weekend but we've got to begin in the AFC as the number five seed Las Vegas Raiders are traveling here to Cincinnati to take on Joe Burrow and the 10 and 7 Cincinnati Bengals. It's a 4.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time start. It's going to be on NBC. It's going to be a big-time matchup. I cannot wait for it. Let's break down this game. Let's start off with the Raiders. Honestly, the Las Vegas Raiders, they're one of those teams who they have shown so much resiliency this year, and they have overcome so many obstacles it's amazing that they are even still playing right now and in the postseason. They dealt with the issue that took place with John Gruden and the whole scrutiny behind that situation and how John Gruden had to step down. They dealt with Henry Ruggs and, and the fatal car crash that happened in Las Vegas and lost him, you know, for the season. And somehow, some way, the Raiders are still standing at 10 and 7. They have overcome a lot this season. And 
I got to give a lot of credit to Derek Carr because Derek Carr has shown some incredible leadership for this Raiders team. I mean, for the season, Derek Carr, he got 23 touchdowns, 14 interceptions. He's thrown for 4,804 passing yards. He's completing 68% of his passes. But in his eight-year career, Derek Carr has 193 total touchdown passes, 85 interceptions. He's completed 65% of his passes. He's a three-time Pro Bowl quarterback. He led the Raiders to the postseason back in 2016, but he got injured and he wasn't able to play. But I just can't say enough about the leadership that Derek Carr has shown throughout the entire season. If this was any other quarterback, I don't believe the Raiders make the playoffs. But you saw Derek Carr in press conferences. He didn't throw John Gruden under the bus. He didn't throw Henry Ruggs under the bus. Showed leadership. And he is the reason why the Raiders are in this moment in the playoffs. You saw last week, going up against Justin Herbert, Derek Carr performed well in that game for the Raiders. And he was able to help them get into the postseason. You know, in that game against the Raiders, Derek Carr, he went, where did he go? 20 of 36. He had 186 pass yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. I thought he made plays for the Raiders when necessary. And I don't think Derek Carr is a great quarterback. I think Joe Burrow, Aaron Rodgers, you know, Tom Brady, you know, Lamar Jackson. I think they are all great quarterbacks, but I think Derek Carr is a good quarterback. And so before week 18, the way the matchups were lining up, it looked like the Bengals were going to have to play the Patriots in wild card weekend. And I was talking to a lot of Bengal fans and they were excited to go up against Matt Jones. And I said, oh, in that matchup, the Bengals obviously would have the coaching advantage with Belichick over Zach Taylor. In this matchup, I had to let Bengal fans know all week, hey, Derek Carr can beat you. You can lose to Derek Carr. This ain't Matt Jones, okay? You, th th this ain't, you know, David Mills. This is Derek Carr. He is a good NFL quarterback who can win a game in the playoffs on the road. And when I look at this Raiders team from a coaching perspective, Rich Bishotti, this is a chance for him to prove to Davis that he is the head coach moving forward for the Raiders. I think this is a chance. If you can win a playoff game in Cincinnati and get the Raiders to the divisional round of the playoffs, it would prove to Davis, hey, I am the right coach for this team moving forward. I can lead them, you know, in the right direction and possibly get back to a Super Bowl somewhere the Raiders haven't been in a very long time. So, again, when I look at this Raiders team, I think the key for the Raiders is going to be able to run the football. They have to be able to run the football with Josh Jacobs. And on the season, the Raiders – they're ranked 28th in the NFL and total rushing yards per game. They rush for 95 rushing yards per game. And I believe in order for the Raiders to have a chance in this game, they need to run the football with Josh Jacobs. On the season, Josh Jacobs, he has 872 total rushing yards. He has nine touchdowns. He's averaging over four yards.
per carry, 217 total carries on the season. He hasn't been healthy throughout the regular season, but last week against the Chargers, he had 26 carries for 132 rushing yards, one touchdown. He averaged over five yards per carry in that game. I think in order for the Raiders to pull off the upset against the Bengals, they're going to need that type of performance again from their running back in Josh Jacobs. If the Raiders can run the football with Jacobs and, you know, not get into a shootout with Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals, I think they give themselves an opportunity to win this game. Also, it's going to be key for the Raiders to get Darren Waller involved in the passing game. Darren Waller is their best player offensively. Like, he's, he's the playmaker. He's dynamic in the open field. It's going to be important for the Raiders to get Darren Waller involved in the offense. Now, you know earlier in the season, the Bengals and the Raiders, they faced off against each other. And in that game, Darren Waller, he played well against the Bengals. He had seven receptions, 116 receiving yards. So it's important for that Bengals defense, Logan Wilson and, you know, Jermaine Pratt to be able to contain Waller in the passing game. You can't necessarily stop Waller because he's so great of a player. When you talk about best tight ends in the NFL, I look at Travis Kelsey. I look at George Kittle. Darren Waller deserves to be in that conversation. He's a game changer. So it's important for the Raiders to get Darren Waller involved in their offense. The way this Raiders team wants to play, they want to get Henner Renfro involved in the passing game, get Darren Waller involved in the passing game, and they want to attack the middle of the field. Where That's actually where the Bengals, you know, play well at, and that's one of their strengths. You know, Logan Wilson and Pratt, I think if they can do a good job at containing Waller and Winfro in the middle of the field, I think that can help this Bengals defense. Now, I mentioned earlier about how the Raiders have to be able to run the football with Josh Jacobs. The problem is the Bengals, they're one of the best teams in the NFL at being able to stop the run. They're fifth in the NFL, and they only give up 102 total rushing yards per game. So can the Raiders run the football, but the Bengals, they are stout against the run. They're not so good against the pass. I don't believe the Bengals are good in the secondary. I think they can be had, you know, in the secondary. But I don't know if the Raiders have the personnel that can expose the Bengals' secondary. And that's one of my biggest issues, you know, in this game for the Raiders. Now, in the passing game for the Raiders, they averaged 267 passing yards per game. That's ranked sixth in the NFL. But the Bengals, you know, they, they, they actually, you know, struggle in the passing game, again, with their secondary that's so, you know, suspect. That's, that secondary in the Bengals is suspect. Bengals are ranked 26th in the NFL with 248 passing yards given up per game. So if the Raiders have to pass the ball with Derek Carr, I think they can have some success against this Bengals secondary. I just don't know who's going to be that performer for the Raiders in the passing game. Like, is it going to be Hunter Renfro? I mean, he's not a great NFL receiver. I think he's good, but he's not great. He has 103 receptions on the season, you know, nine touchdowns, you know, over 1,000 receiving yards on the season. Renfro was going to have to make some plays in the passing game for Derek Carr. Uh, who, like I said, Waller, he's going to be important for the Raiders. Maybe 
Deshaun Jackson can have, have a blast from the past moment and have a big time performance in this playoff game for the Las Vegas Raiders. They're going to need someone who can stretch the field offensively. And if they can get two or three big time plays in the passing game, I think the Raiders give themselves a chance to be able to pull off the upset. But like I said, Derek Carr, he, he's not great, but he's good. And he's capable of winning a playoff game on the road in a hostile environment here in Cincinnati. Now, let's talk about the Bengals offense versus the Raiders defense. Last time these two teams faced off against each other, it was in week 11 in Las Vegas. The Bengals, they were able to have some success at running the football. This was the part of the season where we saw Joe Mixon have an important part in the Bengals offense. In that game against the Raiders in week 11, Joe Mixon, he had 30 carries. He had 123 rushing yards for two total touchdowns. He averaged over four yards per carry. And overall in that game, the Bengals had 159 total rushing yards. So the Bengals were able to run the football against that Raiders defense. So the Bengals and Raiders are both built differently as far as their strengths. The Bengals, they are stout against the run. The Raiders, they struggle to stop the run. So if Joe Mixon can get it going offensively for the Bengals and this Bengals rushing attack can attack the Raiders front seven, that could be trouble for the Las Vegas Raiders in this football game. And I know week 11 was a long time ago. The Bengals beat the Raiders 32 to 13, but I don't think the score was a true indicator for how close this game was. But the Bengals, if they can run the football and, and the Raiders have to bring, you know, nine and 10 in the box, that could, that could be trouble for the Raiders because you have one-on-one -on -one coverage on the outside with T. Higgins and Jamar Chase, two dynamic receivers for the Cincinnati Bengals. So that's going to be key. The Raiders have to be able to stop the run. Two players who are going to be crucial for the Raiders in this game is going to be Ndokwe and Max Crosby. Crosby has to dominate this game against the Bengals. Last week against the Chargers, Crosby, he had a great game. He had six tackles, uh, two sacks. So if he can dominate the Bengals' offensive line, I think the Raiders have a chance. He's going to be important. Like, I don't believe the Bengals have a good offensive line. So if they can't block Crosby up front, he can wreck this game for the Cincinnati Bengals and the Raiders will have a chance. I think the Bengals have dynamic playmakers, you know, in Jamar Chase, in T. Higgins. They got Tyler Boyd in the slot. Uzama is a nice tight end in this system. Bengals got playmakers all over the field. And I think they are the more talented team in this matchup but the Bengals struggle when it comes to their offensive line they got one of the worst o-lines in the nfl and that's going to be key in this game can they protect joe burrow because if they can protect joe burrow and get the ball to their playmakers i think the Bengals can pull away in this game and, and, and win this game let's talk about joe burrow and how great of a quarterback he is for the season, 
Joe Burrow, he has 34 touchdowns, 14 interceptions. He has 4,611 total passing yards this season. He's completing 70% of his passes. That is a league best. So Joe Burrow is one of those quarterbacks who plays well in big-time games. He's one of the best young quarterbacks we have in the NFL. I said on Tuesday's show that I believe Patrick Mahomes is in a league of his own. After Patrick Mahomes, 1A and 1B is Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert. And if Deshaun Watson is playing, I believe he deserves to be in that conversation as well. I love Kyler Murray. You know, I love Lamar Jackson. I think he's great in his own way. You know, like I love Josh Allen as well. You know, Matthew Stafford is a good quarterback. But I believe that Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow are right underneath Patrick Mahomes when it comes to young quarterbacks in the NFL. And again, Deshaun Watson, if he's available to play as well. But Joe Burrow, he has the intangibles that you need to be an elite quarterback in the NFL who can lead you on a Super Bowl run. And he plays well in big games. This is Joe Burrow in his career in college and in the NFL in big games. He's 6-0. He has 2,669 total passing yards. He averages 445 passing yards per game in those big games. And he has 27 touchdowns to zero interceptions in big games in his collegiate career and his NFL career so far. So Burrow plays well when the lights are at its brightest, and that's what you need in the playoffs if you want to be able to win a playoff matchup, you know, and and I think Joe Burrow is going to have an opportunity to make some plays in the passing game for the Bengals. You saw late in the season, Burrow has some big-time performances against the Ravens and the Chiefs in two big-time games that the Bengals needed to win to win the AFC North. So he's a big-time performer, and for whatever reason, in these big-time moments, he doesn't get rattled. I saw a few years ago Josh Allen. He was going up against Deshaun Watson and the Houston Texans. You know, it was his first time in the playoffs. I saw Josh Allen get rattled, and he, he started pressing, and he, he, he turned the football over in that game. I've never seen Joe Burrow get rattled. I've always seen Burrow make the right plays that are necessary for the Bengals to be able to win games. And he's a big time performer. He is clutch. And, you know, when you look at longest droughts in the NFL, like as far as being able to win a playoff game, the Bengals have the longest drought when it comes to winning a playoff game in the NFL. They haven't won a playoff game in 30 years. The last playoff win for the Bengals was in 1990. So you have a quarterback like Joe Burrow at the helm. I think Bengal fans should feel confident about their Bengals being able to overcome that hurdle and finally win a playoff game. It's going to be a big-time matchup, Rich Bashotti versus Zach Taylor. I want to see if Zach Taylor, from a head coaching perspective, can make the right decisions in a playoff game for the Bengals. Bengal fans, they've had their questions about Zach Taylor and whether or not it's the talent 
that has helped Zach Taylor have success this year as the Bengals head coach? Is it the talent? Is it, you know, Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd and Joe Burrow? Or is Zach Taylor a pretty good head coach in the NFL? I think we're going to get our answer Saturday afternoon in Paul Brown Stadium because in the playoffs, you need your coach to make great decisions for your team to be able to win playoff games. So even if you have a great talented squad, there are moments in playoff games where head coaches have to make certain decisions to help their football team win games. I want to see if Zach Taylor can make those decisions and make the right decisions in those moments. But Derek Carr versus Joe Burrow, it doesn't get much better than this when it comes to playoff matchups and quarterbacks. I think the Bengals have the pressure in this game to win the game. Like all the pressures on the Cincinnati Bengals. I feel like the Raiders are playing with house money. They have overachieved this season because of the obstacles that they had to overcome. So they play with house money. And if we get into a late game situation, I think the Raiders can pull off the upset. It's going to be cold here in Cincinnati. And I think that is advantage Raiders. It's not going to be, you know, warm weather. It's going to be cold here in Cincinnati. 31 degrees earlier this week on the forecast. There were chance for snow flurries, but it's going to be clear Saturday afternoon here in Cincinnati. So I think the Raiders have an opportunity to pull it off the upset. I think the Bengals defensively, they have the pieces that can stop this Raiders offense. Jesse Bates, he's one of the best safeties in the NFL. And I think if you have Jesse Bates playing at a high level and he's coming up and stuffing the run and stopping Josh Jacobs from getting it going, I think that can really help the Bengals in this game. And, and, and I look at their personnel, you know, again, I don't really believe in the Bengals secondary. I think they can be had. I don't, I don't really like Eli Apple and, 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 you know, Mike Hilton. I think they can be had in the secondary. But I just don't know, again, if the Raiders have the personnel to be able to do that. I like the Bengals' safeties. Von Miller and Bates are big time. I just don't like Apple, you know, and, 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 and Hilton and, you know, Flowers. I just, I just don't know. I, I don't know. I got my questions about, you know, the, these Bengals players in their secondary. But, again, we'll see if the Raiders can, can take advantage of their suspect secondary. Again, the Raiders, if they can run the football, they have a chance. But the Bengals are one of the best teams in the NFL at being able to stop the run. And on the flip side, if they can run the football with Joe Mixon, they can have some success. But the Raiders, they struggle at being able to stop the run. The Bengals are the more talented team. They are the better team. But y'all know I live here in Cincinnati. Bengal fans, they call me a hater. And so I'm going to roll with Derek Carr to beat Joe Burrow here, Cincinnati, at Paul Brown Stadium. Saturday afternoon, I'm rolling with the Las Vegas Raiders to upset the Cincinnati Bengals. I think the Raiders have overachieved this season. They have shown significant resilience all year long. I think the train 
continues to keep turning for the Raiders. I got the Raiders beating the Cincinnati Bengals here at Paul Brown Stadium, 24-21. It's going to be a close game. It's going to be a great matchup between the quarterbacks, but I'm rolling with Derek Carr over Joe Burrow. I got Derek Carr, 24. Joe Burrow, 21. And I think the Bengals' drought of not being able to win a playoff game will continue, and Bengal fans will unfortunately go home disappointed because the Bengals aren't going to be able to get it done. I think the Raiders are playing with house money. I think Derek Carr smells blood, and I think Derek Carr is going to perform well in his first playoff game action. But I think Joe Burrow is going to play well as well. I just think the Raiders are going to walk – are going to kick a walk-off field goal and win this game at Paul Brown Stadium Saturday afternoon. It's the first game of Wild Card Weekend. It's going to be a big-time matchup. But Bingo fans, I know you guys think I'm a hater, and you damn sure going to believe I'm a hater after this. Raiders 24, Bengals 21. Let's transition, and let's talk about the third matchup this year between the six-seeded New England Patriots, who are 10-7 on the season. They are traveling to Buffalo to take on Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills, who are the three-seed in the AFC. They have 11-6 record. Bills were able to win the AFC East. And back in week 13, the New England Patriots, they beat the Buffalo Bills 14-10. In that matchup, they had over 200 rushing yards for the game. That was the biggest difference in that game. But three weeks later, in Foxborough, Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills, they had a bounce-back performance against the Patriots. They beat the Patriots 33-21. to And in that game, you know, Josh Allen, he played well in that game. He had over 300 passing yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. So these two teams are familiar with one another. And we got Belichick versus Sean McDermott with both head coaches. And in this matchup, the key for me is going to be the Buffalo Bills defensively. Will they be able to contain this Patriots dynamic rushing attack? Again, in week 13, the Patriots had 222 total rushing yards and in that game you know Damian Harris he had an 111 rushing yards one touchdown he averaged over 11 yards per carry I think he had a big time run in the first half in that game and then Stevenson he had 24 carries 78 rushing yards he was great in that game so the Buffalo Bills they have shown an inability to stop the run. And then you remember in that game, in the post-game press conference, you heard Micah Hyde, he was frustrated with the reporter who asked him a simple question. Hey, you know, what happened tonight? Like, you guys weren't able to stop the run, and Micah Hyde had the nerve, the audacity, to become frustrated with the reporter for asking a simple question. You could not stop the run. You remember that night? It was a Monday night matchup in Buffalo. It was extremely windy uh, they had snow flurries in that game and so in that matchup Mac Jones he only had 
three passing attempts, three passing attempts. So the Buffalo Bills and Sean McDermott, they knew exactly what the New England Patriots were trying to do. They weren't trying to throw the football with Mac Jones in that game at all. So it's going to be important for the Buffalo Bills to be able to stop the run in this game. Defensive coordinator Leslie Frazier, I know this week he is going to put a significant emphasis on his defense at being able to stop the Patriots rushing attack. Leslie Frazier is a proven coach in the NFL. He was a head coach at one point in his career for the Minnesota Vikings. I think he is a pretty good defensive coordinator, but I just don't know if the Buffalo Bills have the personnel that can slow down this Patriots rushing attack. And it's going to be important in this game for them to be able to do that. Again, in week 13, Patriots had 222 total rushing yards. Now, to the Bills' credit, defensively, in week 16, they did a better job at being able to, you know, slow down the Patriots. But the Patriots still had 149 rushing yards. So in week 13, they had 222 rushing yards. In week 16, they had 149 rushing yards. So if they can hold the Patriots to under 100 yards rushing in this game and force the Patriots to have to rely on Matt Jones to win this game for the New England Patriots, I think that is the formula for the Buffalo Bills to be able to win this football game. So that's the key for the Buffalo Bills. Can you force the Patriots to have to rely on Mac Jones? Now, on the season, Buffalo, defensively, they give up 109 total rushing yards per game. That's tied for 13th, you know, in the NFL. So we got we to see if they can stop the run. They can stop the run and force Matt Jones to beat them. They can win this game. Now, obviously, for the Patriots on the season, Matt Jones, he has 22 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. He has over 3,800 passing yards, a 92.5 rating as a passer. Honestly, I got my questions about Mac Jones. Uh, he's completed 68% of his passes. I think Mac Jones is a game manager. And out of all the young quarterbacks in the NFL, you know, Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, along with Tua, I believe in Mac Jones significantly less than the rest of those quarterbacks I just named. I just don't know if Matt can make enough big-time throws in a playoff game for the Patriots to be able to pull off the upset and beat the Buffalo Bills. And also, I think the Patriots, they don't have enough dynamic playmakers in the passing game to be able to win this game. Like in week 16, Jacoby Myers, he led the Patriots with six receptions, 59 receiving yards. Uh, you know, you got Bourne at receiver. He had two receptions for 33 receiving yards. I just don't know if the Patriots have enough playmakers offensively to be able to win this game. The only way I see the Patriots being able to win this game is for them to expose 
that suspect run defense by the Buffalo Bills. They need Re'Andre Stevenson. They need Damian Harris to be able to have big time performances for them to be able to win this game. Because I just don't see the Patriots being able to make enough plays in the passing game with Mac Jones to be able to win this game. I don't. Now, let's flip to the Bills offense versus the Patriots defense. I think the Bills are one dimensional. I think the Bills rely on Josh Allen to be able to win games. And when you look at the Buffalo Bills on the season, they average 252 total passing yards per game. That's ranked ninth in the NFL. They also have 129 rushing yards that they average per game. That's ranked sixth in the NFL. But I don't trust their running game with Singletary. I don't. Like, I, I, I just – I feel like this team is led by Josh Allen. And in order for them to be able to have some success, they're going to need Josh Allen to perform at a high level. Josh Allen can't play an average game. He has to play a great game for this Buffalo Bills team to be able to win this game. And again, I think they struggle to run the football and Belichick is going to take away what you do best and the strength of your team. The strength of this Bills offense is the connection with Stefan Diggs and Josh Allen. I expect Belichick to take away Stefan Diggs in this game. So it's going to be important for those other Buffalo Bills receivers, you know, like Dawson Knox, you know, like Gabriel Davis to help Josh Allen in the passing game. Cole Beasley in the slot for the Bills. He's going to be an important factor for the Bills, you know, to be able to move the football against this good Patriots defense. I think Stefan Diggs will struggle. Last week against the Jets, Diggs had nine receptions for 81 receiving yards, one touchdown against the Patriots in week 16. Diggs, he had a great game, seven receptions, 85 receiving yards, one touchdown. But in that game, for the Buffalo Bills, Isaiah McKenzie, the receiver, he stepped up. So he's going to be important as well. In that game, in week 16, McKenzie, 11 receptions, 125 receiving yards, one touchdown. You know, he had a great game. So it's going to be important for McKenzie, Knox, Davis. They're going to have to make some plays in the passing game for the Bills to have a chance. Cole Beasley in the slot. He's someone who has, you know, played in the postseason. He's a proven NFL receiver. Can he make some plays in the passing game for Josh Allen and this Buffalo Bills team? That's going to be important. It's going to be very, very important. And defensively, I like this Patriots team. I really, really do. They are ranked second in the NFL against the pass. They give up 187 passing yards per game. That's great when it comes to being able to stop the opposing team from passing the football in a football game. So that's going to be key. And you can run the football against this Patriots defense. They give up. 123 rushing yards per game. But the Bills' strength is throwing the football. And that also plays into the strengths of the Patriots' 
passing defense. But again, Patriots struggle with being able to stop the run, but the Bills, I don't think they have dynamic playmakers at the running back position. Singletary, I, don't, I just don't really believe in this Buffalo Bills rushing attack. Like Zach Moss, I, 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 don't, I don't believe in their rushing attack. I really, really don't. And I think if they had a dynamic rushing attack, you know, they can exploit this Patriots run defense. But um, the Patriots defensively, they give up 18 points per game. That's ranked second in the NFL. And they're fifth on third down. So they can they get off the field. Uh, you know, they get off the field 37% of the time on third down. So they can, they get off the field. And I think it's going to be important for the Patriots defensively to be able to make some plays because we don't believe in Mac Jones as being a quarterback that's going to score 28 or 34 points. In order for the Patriots to win this game, their formula is going to have to be a low-scoring game like it was in week 13 when the Patriots traveled to Buffalo and they won 14-10. It's going to be that same type of game in order for the Patriots to be able to pull off the upset. So defensively, you know, you got Lawrence Guy up front. You got Deontay Hightower at linebacker. You got Kyle Van Noy at linebacker. And then in the secondary, you got J.C. Jackson, Devin McCourty. You know, like these are going to be some key components on this Patriots defense that's going to have to contain the Buffalo Bills dynamic passing game. You know, if Guy can apply some pressure, you know, Christian Barnmore, Diedrich Wise Jr. up front, you know, you know, they're going to have to be able to apply some pressure on that Bills, you know, offense. You know, Matthew Judon, he's a playmaker for the Patriots. Like, I, I think the Patriots defense is a, a good defense. I really, really do. I think they're one of the best defenses in the NFL, you know, that's Bill Belichick's expertise. So, again, I think the Patriots will be ready in this game defensively for what the Bills throw at them. I just wonder if they have enough playmakers to slow down this Buffalo Bills passing attack. I know how great Stephon Diggs is. But, again, Beasley, Knox, Davis, McKenzie, they're going to have to help Josh Allen in the passing game for the Bills to have a chance. I think for the Patriots to win this game, they have to win this matchup. They got to win with their defense versus the Bills offense. If they can do that and the weather is horrible in Buffalo, and then also they don't even have this game sold out in Buffalo. So, there's no real home field advantage. And it's supposed to snow in Buffalo. Given how these two teams play and the strength of their team, the weather in Buffalo is advantage Patriots because the Patriots, they run the football and they have a dynamic rushing attack with Harris, with Stevenson, with Bolden compared to the Bills who are a passing football team. They want to throw the ball all over the field with Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs. I don't think that plays into the hands of what the Buffalo Bills want to do. Like, I think that goes against them in this game with the weather. I think the weather plays 
to the Patriots' strengths more so than the Bills' strengths. So I think the Patriots got a chance to pull off the upset in this game. I think the Buffalo Bills are a better football team, but it's going to be an interesting game. I want to see how Josh Allen performs in the playoffs. This is a, a, a good measuring stick for how Josh Allen is as a playoff performer. You saw last year he led the Buffalo Bills to the AFC Championship game, you know, in the wild card game against Phillip Rivers and the Colts. Josh Allen, he had over 300 passing yards in that game. He had two touchdowns. So, you know, Josh Allen, maybe he's gotten over, you know, his, his playoff struggles. His first playoff game against the Texans a few years ago, he struggled. Last year, he was much better in the postseason for the Bills. We'll see what he has in store. I think the Buffalo Bills are going to win this game over the New England Patriots. I like Buffalo to beat the New England Patriots 27 to 17. I got Josh Allen, 27, Mac Jones, 17. I just don't know if the Patriots have enough firepower to keep up with this Bills team. And I just don't trust Mac Jones yet to make big time throws in a playoff game. I don't. And that's my biggest issue with the Patriots. If they had a quarterback like Derek Carr, in this game, I would favor the Patriots to beat the Bills. I just don't trust Mac Jones yet. I don't. And I think in week 16, the way the Bills was able to win that game and how they were able to, you know, expose the Patriots in the passing game, I think that's going to carry over into this playoff matchup. And I think it's going to be a recipe for success for the Buffalo Bills. Again, in that week 16 game, Josh Allen, 30 of 47, 314 total passing yards, three touchdowns. I think that's going to carry over. I think McKenzie, Beasley, Dawson Knox, I think they're going to elevate their games and help Josh Allen in the passing game. And I think the Bills are going to beat the Patriots 27-17. Let's switch gears to the NFC wild card matchup. We got the nine and eight Philadelphia Eagles traveling to Tampa Bay to take on the 13 and four Buccaneers. It's a 1 p.m. start on Fox on Sunday afternoon. In this game, you got Jalen Hurts, who was 23 years of age, going up against Tom Brady, who was 44 years old. That's the largest gap between opposing playoff starting quarterbacks in the Super Bowl era. Also, Tom Brady, he has 34 career playoff wins. That's the most by any quarterback in NFL history. The Eagles this year, they got one win versus a team with a winning record this year, and that's against the Saints. That's the fewest in the NFL. And in this game, also Tom Brady, he's one and one career record against the Philadelphia Eagles. Both were in the Super Bowl. So, in this game, I want to start off with the Philadelphia Eagles because I believe the Philadelphia Eagles' strength is their dynamic rushing attack. You know, on the season, the Philadelphia Eagles, they have the best rushing attack in the NFL. They're ranked first, and they have 160 rushing yards per game, and 
the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they struggle against mobile quarterbacks. And that's where I believe the Eagles have an advantage over the Buccaneers in this game. I believe Jalen Hurts, you know, his ability to be able to make plays with his legs is going to be key in this game. These two teams also faced off against each other earlier this season. It was in week six, the Buccaneers, they beat the Eagles 28 to 22. But in that game, you know, Jalen Hurts, he, you know, played well in that game. He had over 100 yards. Well, he didn't play well in that game. I'm sorry. He only had 115 passing yards, 12 or 26 uh, passing. I think in this game, in order for the Eagles to have a chance, Jalen Hurt is, is going to have to have an over 300-yard passing yards performance and is going to have to have over 100 yards rushing in this game. He can't be average. He can't be good. He has to be great in this game. And I think he's going to be a key factor in the Philadelphia Eagles being able to run the football. You know, I believe that he ha- he's going to have to make plays with his legs and his arm for the Philadelphia Eagles to have an opportunity to win this game. Now, in his career, you know, we've seen Jalen Hurts in big-time games, you know, play well. We saw him, you know, in college, even though he got replaced by Tua in the national championship game, we saw Jalen Hurts transfer to Oklahoma, and he led Oklahoma to a big-time bowl game. And I thought that year he played well as a starting quarterback for the Oklahoma Sooners and had them in a position – Let's switch gears and let's talk about the NFC wildcard matchup between the seven seed Philadelphia Eagles who are nine and eight on the season. They're traveling to Tampa Bay to take on Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at 13 and four. It's a 1 p.m. start on Sunday on Fox. These two teams faced off against each other in week six in Philadelphia. The Buccaneers beat the Philadelphia Eagles 28 to 22. And in that game, Tom Brady had 297 passing yards, two touchdowns, one interception. Jalen Hurts, he had a below average game. He went 12 of 26, threw for 115 total passing yards, one touchdown, one interception. He was sacked twice in that game. And in this game, Leonard Floyd, I'm sorry, Leonard Fournette (laughs) returned to practice this week. He has not played since week 15. He is expected to be in the starting lineup for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tom Brady has a one-and-one career record as a starter versus the Philadelphia Eagles in the postseason. Both were in the Super Bowl. Also, Tom Brady has 34 career playoff wins. That's the most by any quarterback in NFL history for the Philadelphia Eagles. They have one win versus a team with a winning record this season. That was against the New Orleans Saints. That's the fewest in the NFL. And Hurts, he's 23 years of age. Tom Brady is 44. That's the largest gap between opposing playoff starting quarterbacks in the Super Bowl era. So let's talk about this game, and let's start off with the Philadelphia Eagles. Offensively, for the Philadelphia Eagles, we got to start off with Jalen Hurts, obviously. On the season, Jalen Hurts has 16 touchdowns, 
nine interceptions. He's thrown for over 3,000 passing yards. He has an 87.2 quarterback rating. And on the season, he is completing 62% of his passes for the Philadelphia Eagles. But we all know that Jalen Hurts is a dynamic playmaker at quarterback who makes plays with his legs. And that's why the Philadelphia Eagles have the best rushing attack in the NFL. They have the number one rushing attack in the NFL. They rush for over 160 rushing yards per game. And that's going to be key in this matchup because if the Philadelphia Eagles want to have a chance at being able to pull off the upset over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they have to win time of possession and have Jalen Hurts run the football, make some plays in the open field, keep Tom Brady on the sideline, and maybe in the fourth quarter, the Eagles will give themselves a chance. But they have to be able to run the football. But that plays right into the strengths of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Buccaneers, they have the third best rush defense in the NFL. They give up 93 rushing yards per game. So Vita Veda up front and Dominican Sue. Golson, Jason Pierre-Paul, who will return back to the lineup for the Buccaneers. They all have a stout front, and it's hard to run against this Buccaneers defense. But the Buccaneers, they have struggled with running quarterbacks this season. And that's an area where you could see the Philadelphia Eagles being able to have some success with Jalen Hurts as their quarterback. Again, in the first matchup, when they played against each other, Jalen Hurts, he only had 115 passing yards in that game. And he had, what did he have? 44 rushing yards. He's going to need more. In this game, a stat for the Philadelphia Eagles from out of chance, the stat has to be Jalen Hurts over 300 yards passing, over 100 yards rushing. That will give the Philadelphia Eagles a chance to pull off the upset. He can't have... 115 passing yards, under 100 yards rushing for the Eagles to have a chance. He can't. He's going to have to be dynamic and make some plays. And we've seen Jalen Hurts in his collegiate career and in the NFL so far, we've seen Jalen Hurts play well in big games for the Philadelphia Eagles. Like, you remember in college, when the national championship game in 2017, he got replaced by Tua. He transferred to Oklahoma. And he led the Oklahoma Suitors to a big-time bowl game. And he had a great season that year. He had 32 touchdowns, eight interceptions as a starting quarterback for the Oklahoma Sooners. Oklahoma Sooners. So, we know, Jalen Hurts can make some plays, you know, in the passing game. And that's what it's going to take for the Philadelphia Eagles to pull off the upset in this game. Also a key matchup for the Philadelphia Eagles. Dallas Goddard versus Devin White. If the Eagles want to have a chance to win this game, they need Goddard to win this matchup versus Devin White. And so far this season, you know, the Eagles, they haven't utilized their tight ends in their offense. They're going to need Goddard to have a big-time game to have a chance. He's going to have to have a big-time game. And also, the receivers for the Philadelphia Eagles, I don't know if they have the personnel to be able to expose this Buccaneers secondary. I mean, on the season, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they're one of the worst teams in the NFL against the pass. They're ranked 21st 
in the NFL against the pass. They give up 238 passing yards per game. The problem is, I don't know if the Philadelphia Eagles has the right personnel to expose the Buccaneers in their secondary. We saw all year long, the Buccaneers been dealing with injuries. Sean Murphy bunting, he's questionable in this game. And then you got Antoine Whitfield at safety. You got Jordan Whitehead at safety, Carlton Davis, the other cornerback. I think the Buccaneers can be exposed, you know, in their secondary. But I don't think the Eagles have the right personnel. Devontae Smith, he's a rookie. He's having, you know, a, a good season. He has 916 receiving yards, five touchdowns, 64 receptions for the Philadelphia Eagles. But other than Devontae Smith, who else can make plays for this Eagles offense? Jalen Rager, maybe he can make two or three big-time plays in this game. Quez Watkins, like Greg Ward. Like, I don't really see the Eagles having the right personnel to expose the Buccaneers' weakness. And their weakness is their secondary. That's going to be key. Devontae Smith, Quez Watkins, Jalen Rager, they have to help Jalen Hurts in a passing game for the Philadelphia Eagles to have a chance. We know what Jalen Hurts brings to the table as a runner at the quarterback position. He has to be a passer for the Eagles to win this game. He has to make some plays with his arm. We know how great he is with his legs. He's going to need his arm to make some big-time throws in this game for the Eagles to have a chance of being able to pull off the upset. But again, the Eagles strengths plays right into the strength of the Buccaneers defense. Buccaneers are one of the best teams against the run, but they struggled with mobile quarterbacks. And I think a key in this game for Jalen Hurts, he doesn't have to worry about TB as in Tom Brady. He has to worry about TB as in Todd Bowles. That is the matchup. Jalen Hurts versus Todd Bowles. You're not going up against Tom Brady, Jalen Hurts. You're going up against Todd Bowles. And we know on third downs, which is going to be a key in this game as well, Todd Bowles is going to send the house at Jalen Hurts. On the season, offensively, the Philadelphia Eagles, they convert on 46% of their third down plays. That's ranked fourth in the NFL. Now, defensively, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they're ranked 12th on third down plays and they get off the field 39% of the time. So the Buccaneers defense, they get off the field on third down and you know, Todd Bowles is going to send the house on third down. He wants to see if Jalen hurts can live up to the playoff pressure and what comes with the playoffs. Can you make the necessary plays for your team to be able to pull off the upset? It's okay. And I'll fine and dandy when you can make plays with your legs in the first and second quarter. But can you make the throws necessary in the third and fourth quarter for your team to have a chance? We know Todd Bowles is a great defensive coordinator. He's a part of the reason why the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were able to win eight straight games to end the season last year and how they were able to frustrate Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl. That's going to be key. Jalen Hurts versus Todd Bowles. And if Jalen Hurts can have some answers for, you know, that Buccaneers front seven and make some plays in the passing game, throwing to Quez Watkins, throwing to Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard, make a couple key catches for this Eagles 
offense and win his matchup against Devin White, Eagles got a chance to pull off the upset. I'll tell you this. I think the Eagles have a better chance to pull off the upset versus the Buccaneers than the Steelers do against the Kansas City Chiefs. And, you know, this Eagles team, they play well on the road. They're six and three on the road this year. They're three and five at home. So they play well away from Lincoln Financial Field. We'll see what they have, you know, offensively for this Buccaneers defense. Now let's switch gears and talk about this dynamic Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense. And under Byron Leftwich, offensive coordinator for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Bucs, they averaged 30 points per game. That's the most in the NFL since 2019. And this year is different for the Buccaneers because they don't have all of the weapons that they had last year. Last year, they had inter- interchangeable parts. You know, if you took out Mike Evans, you could put in Antonio Brown. If you took out Chris Godwin, you could put in Scotty Miller. You know, if you took out Rob Gronkowski, you could put in, you know, Cameron Brake. This year, because of the injuries, because of the situation involving Antonio Brown, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you know, they don't have the personnel that they had last year when they went on their deep playoff run and ultimately won the Super Bowl. This year, you know, Mike Evans, you know, he's been dealing with some injuries, and that's going to be a key matchup for the Buccaneers offensively. Mike Evans versus Darius Slay. You know, Evans dealing with the injuries that he was dealing with, I give the advantage to, advantage to Slay. You know, I think the Eagles defense, you know, they are pretty good against the run. Like, they are ninth this year against the run. They give up 108 rushing yards per game. A key for the Buccaneers is going to be Leonard Fournette. How healthy is Leonard Fournette? Because if you can run the football with Leonard Fournette, it will help the Buccaneers' offense to get into a rhythm and they can get the ball to Rob Gronkowski and Cameron Bray and O.J. Howard. The Buccaneers, I think, offensively, it's going to be important for Byron Leftwich and Tom Brady to put together some packages with their tight ends. Because they don't have Antonio Brown, because Chris Godwin is out for the season, I think the Buccaneers' tight ends are going to be key on this playoff run. Rob Gronkowski, Cameron Brake, O.J. Howard, they're going to be key because they don't have the weapons on the outside like they had last year on their postseason run. So I want to see if Byron Leftwich can put his tight ends in a position to be successful. They're going to be key for Tom Brady in the passing game. You know the connection that Tom Brady has with Rob Gronkowski. He trusts Rob Gronkowski, and he's going to throw to Rob Gronkowski a lot. Which other player can step up in this Buccaneers offense in the passing game? Will it be Mike Evans? He's been dealing with some injuries, though. He's, he's, he's been dealing with a lot of injuries, and he's expected to obviously play in this game. But going up against Darius Slay, you know, that could be a tough matchup for Mike Evans. That could be a tough matchup. So, you know, when I, when I look at this game, it, it's, it's going to be an interesting matchup. It's, it's definitely going to be an interesting matchup. The Tepe Buccaneers, they average 415 total yards per game. And they're first in the NFL with passing yards per game. They have 308 total passing yards per game. We know how big time Tom Brady is. 
Again, he has on the season 43 touchdowns, 12 interceptions, over 5,000 passing yards, 102 quarterback rating. We know he is a legitimate NFL MVP candidate. And in the postseason is where Tom Brady has made his money. That's where he has, he has made his money. He has 34 career playoff wins. That's the most by any quarterback in NFL history. We know he's a big-time playoff performer. And I just can't see the Philadelphia Eagles being able to keep up with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I just can't. And I, I, like I said, offensively, the key matchup for the Bucs is Mike Evans versus Darius Slay. On the flip side, the key matchup is there is Dallas Goddard versus Devin White. Who can win those two matchups? I want to see who can win those two matchups. That's going to be important. Also, it's going to be important for the Philadelphia Eagles to be able to put some pressure on Tom Brady. If they can put some pressure on Tom Brady and make him uncomfortable, they'll give themselves an opportunity to win this game. But they can't let Tom Brady sit back in the pocket and call Giselle and ask her what's for dinner and, and make plans for the upcoming week. They have to put some pressure on Tom Brady and make, make him, you know, uncomfortable. Make him uncomfortable in the pocket. Make sure that he sees defenders in his face and can't just sit back in the pocket and pick your defense apart. That's going to be key, you know, for the Philadelphia Eagles defensively. We know up front they got Fletcher Cox. They got Javon Hargrove. They got Josh Sweat, who's questionable in this game. Derek Barnett, you know, Alex Singleton, TJ Edwards. These linebackers and these defensive linemen for the Philadelphia Eagles have to win up front. The Eagles front seven has to win against the Bucks offensive line. That's the one chance that they have in this game to win the matchup between the Eagles defense and the Bucks offense. So we're going to see what they what, what they're made of. We're going to see what they're made of again. When they played in week six, Brady had close to 300 passing yards, two touchdowns. But at that time, Chris Godwin was healthy. Antonio Brown was also on the Tempe Buccaneers still at that time. Now it's different for the Buccaneers. They're going to have to change their approach this year in the playoffs. Last year, they had so many playmakers that were interchangeable. Now it's different with the, the injuries that they're dealing with and no Antonio Brown. So this is going to be a good game on Fox at 1 o'clock. We're going to definitely see what happens. Uh, the, the Buccaneers, they score 30 points per game. That's ranked second in the NFL. Whew, man, Eagles got their work cut out for them. In this game, I expect Tom Brady to outplay Jalen Hurts. I think this game will be competitive for the first three quarters. I think once Tom Brady figures out that Eagles defense, I think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will take off in the second half. I think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to beat the Philadelphia Eagles 30 to 20. That's my score. I got Bucks 30, Eagles 20. I think this game will be competitive early on. I just think in the second half, Tom Brady will figure out this Eagles defense. 
and I think he's going to pick them apart in the fourth quarter, and they're going to pull away. I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I really, really don't. I do not think it's going to be a blowout. I think the weather in Tampa is going to be rainy, which is advantage Eagles. If this game is in inclement weather and it's a game where it's raining and it's windy, that's advantage Eagles because of their rushing attack. And before I get out of here on this game, the key to this matchup is going to be which team can play to their strengths. Can the Philadelphia Eagles play to their strengths in the running game with their dynamic rushing attack with Miles Sanders and Jalen Hurts? Or will Tom Brady expose the Philadelphia Eagles in the passing game with his tight ends like Cameron Bray, like Rob Gronkowski, like O.J. Howard, and will Mike Evans win his one-on-one matchup with Darius Slay? You know, Darius Slay now, because there's no Antonio Brown, Darius Slay can line up against Mike Evans all day long, one-on-one matchup, mano-a-mano. Let's see who's going to win that matchup. Which team will be able to play to their strengths and, and, and win that battle? Whichever team can do that will win this game. But I got Bucks beating the Philadelphia Eagles 30-20. Let's switch gears and talk about another big-time matchup in the NFC that I'm excited about. It's the six-seed San Francisco 49ers traveling to Dallas to take on Dak Prescott in the 12-5 Dallas Cowboys. It's a 4.30 p.m. start on CBS. Big-time game in the NFC. And in this game, it's a lot of different storylines. Okay? A lot of different storylines. A lot of things I'm looking for in, t- in this matchup. But I want to start off with the San Francisco 49ers. The 49ers are playing the best football right now more than any other team and I was upset last week with the LA Rams because at one point in that game the LA Rams they were up 17 to 0 in that game and the New Orleans Saints they were beating the Atlanta Falcons so had the 49ers lost and the Saints won the 49ers would have missed the playoffs so you saw in that game against the Rams the 49ers they had a moment of truth Looked up at the scoreboard. They saw the Saints were winning their game. So they knew they had to take care of business against the Rams. And that's how you saw them overcome a 17-point deficit. And in the second half, the 49ers, they outscored the Rams 24-7. to They had a dominating performance in the second half as a football team. So they are one of the hottest teams right now heading into the postseason. And I'll be honest, as a Packers fan, they have been Aaron Rodgers' kryptonite in the playoffs. You remember back in 2012, Colin Kaepernick had 181 rushing yards against the great Charles Woodson and Clay Matthews. They sent Aaron Rodgers in the Packers home that year. And then the next year, the 49ers, they came to Lambeau Field and they beat Aaron Rodgers in the Green Bay Packers 23-20 to in that game. So they have been the Packers' kryptonite in the playoffs. They have been a nightmare for the Packers. So as a Packers fan, I wanted Matthew Stafford and the Rams to eliminate the 49ers last week. I wanted them to eliminate them. And then before last week, Sean McVay, 
He was 45 and 0 in games where he leads at the half. So everything was pointing in the direction of the 49ers being eliminated from the playoffs. But in the second half, Jimmy Garoppolo was absolutely sensational for the San Francisco 49ers. And that drive that tied the game up for the 49ers, he was great. He was absolutely sensational. And in that drive, Jimmy G, the final two drives against the Rams, he went eight of 10. He had 133 passing yards, one touchdown, zero interceptions with a passer rating of 152. He was absolutely sensational on the final two drives for the 49ers. And he was great in the second half overall, besides the one interception that he threw in the fourth quarter. But here's the thing with Jimmy Garoppolo. Even though I'm giving him credit for performing well in the second half, I have to also take away from how he played in the first half because he was awful in the first half. I can't give you credit for putting out the fire when you're the one who started the fire. And that's Jimmy Garoppolo. He struggles and is very inconsistent. And that's a part of the reason why Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers want to move in a different direction after this season with Trey Lance because Garoppolo is so inconsistent. On the season, Garoppolo, he has 20 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. He has over 3,800 passing yards. He is a game manager. But there are moments where Jimmy Garoppolo steps up for the 49ers, and it happens unexpectedly. It happened in week 18 out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. He's going to be key. Also, we know the 49ers, they have one of the best rushing attacks in the NFL. They average 128 rushing yards per game. That's ranked seventh in the NFL. Elijah Mitchell, he's going to be key for the 49ers in this game. You know, on the season, Elijah Mitchell, he has five touchdowns, 963 receiving yards. He's averaging over four and a half yards per carry. He's dynamic in the backfield for the 49ers. Also, Kyle Shanahan does a great job at moving Debo Samuel around. Debo Samuel has emerged as one of the best receivers in the NFL for the season this year. He got 77 receptions, you know, over 1,400 receiving yards, six touchdowns. Debo Samuel is big time. And sometimes Kyle Shanahan lines him up in the backfield. You never know where Debo Samuel is going to be on a particular play. He can be in the backfield. He can be, you know, out wide. He has him all over the field as a dynamic playmaker for this 49ers offense. And we know the playmakers for the 49ers are Debo Samuel and George Kittle. George Kittle, I believe he's one of the best tight ends in the NFL. I, I know the last few years, because the Kansas City Chiefs has gotten to the Super Bowl, we've had an opportunity to see Travis Kelsey perform at a high level. But George Kittle was one of the best tight ends in the NFL. On the season, 71 receptions, 910 receiving yards, six touchdowns. George Kittle is big time. And I think he's one of the best blockers in the NFL. Like, that's why I believe he's better slightly than Travis Kelsey. He's great in the running game as a blocker in Kyle Shanahan's system. So 
we know Debo Samuel and George Kittle are the key players for the Niners offense. They want to get the ball to both of those two players. And George Kittle and Debo Samuel, they don't one run around you. They run right through you. Players are physical on this 49ers team. They're also going to get back Trent Williams in this game. He's the best tackle in the NFL. Him and David Bacciari, you know, are both great. Bacciari, the tackle for the Green Bay Packers. He returned last week in the Lions game for the Packers as well. But Trent Williams is a great offensive lineman. He's going to be key for the 49ers because he's going to have to protect Jimmy Garoppolo. He's going to have to protect Jimmy G. Also, in this 49ers offense, you saw other players who stepped up in the game against the Rams. Brandon Ayuk, he had six receptions, 107 receiving yards. And then you saw Jawan Jennings. He had six receptions, 94 receiving yards, two touchdowns. He had the game-tying touchdown catch late in the fourth quarter. So it's not just Debo Samuel and George Kittle. They got Brandon Ayuk. They got Jennings. You know, they got Trent Sirefield in the passing game. So this 49ers team is dynamic. We know defensively the Cowboys, they got Trayvon Diggs and they got Michael Parsons. They both are two of the best young talents we have in the NFL. And so far this season, the 49ers, they do a great job of being able to run the football. It's going to be important for the Cowboys front seven to be able to contain the 49ers rushing attack. So a lot of these players up front for the Dallas Cowboys, like, you know, Micah Parsons, you know, like Demarcus Lawrence, you know, Carlos Watkins, Randy Gregory, they're going to have to buckle up their chin strap in this game to be able to contain that 49ers rushing attack. That's going to be key. And I know they got playmakers like Diggs and Michael Parsons. We know Michael Parsons is big time. The Cowboys, they do a great job at holding teams to field goals once they get into the red zone. On the season, the Cowboys, defensively, they give up 21 points per game. That's ranked seventh in the NFL. So if they can hold the 49ers to field goals instead of touchdowns, that's going to help defensive coordinator Dan Quinn and his defense against this dynamic offense of the 49ers and Cal Shanahan. It's going to be key. I do believe, though, that if the Cowboys aren't creating turnovers, you can run the football against this Cowboys defense. On the season, the Cowboys, they give up 112 rushing yards per game. That's ranked 16th in the NFL. So the Niners, they can have some success running the football against this Cowboys run defense. That's going to be key. And that's the key in the whole game overall. Kyle Shanahan versus Dan Quinn, the defensive coordinator for the Cowboys. Whichever one of these two loses this game, whether it's Kyle Shanahan or it's Dan Quinn, they should be held responsible for the 28-3 loss to Tom Brady in the Super Bowl when the Atlanta Falcons lost to the New England Patriots. So whoever loses this game, whether it's Quinn or Shanahan, they have to take full responsibility for losing that game. You remember Kyle Shanahan? He was the offensive coordinator for the Atlanta Falcons that year. Dan Quinn was the head coach for the Atlanta Falcons. But 
you know, those are some, some, some keys for the 49ers offense versus the Cowboys defense. You know, Trayvon Diggs versus Debo Samuel. That's a key matchup. That's a key matchup. I like Debo Samuel in that matchup, though, because Trayvon Diggs, as great of a season as, that he's had, and he's had a great season. Like, he has a tremendous future in the NFL as a cornerback. But Trayvon Diggs, you know, he can be had. He's one of those players that either makes an interception or he gives up a big-time play. That's how, it, it's, He's like a, a hitter in baseball who either hits a home run or he strikes out. There's no in-between with Trayvon Diggs. We know on the season he got 11 interceptions. He's been absolutely sensational. But again, if he's not catching interceptions, he can get burnt in the open field. And I think that's where Kyle Shanahan wants to try to get Debo Samuel on the perimeter and expose Trayvon Diggs' weakness. And I think they can have that can happen in this game. It can definitely happen. But, you know, as great as he is, he can be had in the passing games and give up big plays. Same with Micah Parsons. Micah Parsons, he's great at being able to rush the passer. But can Micah Parsons make plays on the 49ers rushing attack? Can he slow down Elijah Mitchell from being able to run the football? It seems like every week the 49ers have a different running back who steps up. You know, a few years ago in the postseason, it was Mozart. I mean, he dominated my Packers in the NFC Championship game. Garoppolo threw eight passes for crying out loud. In this game, will it be Elijah Mitchell? Elijah Mitchell versus, you know, Michael, Michael Parsons, you know, Randy Gregory, Demarcus Lawrence. That's going to be key in this, in this game. That's going to be key. It's definitely going to be key. Uh, so that's what, that's what I'm looking forward to on, on that side of the ball. Let's flip to the other side of the ball. We've got the Cowboys offense versus the 49ers defense. This is a key game and a big-time game for Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott, in his postseason career, he's one and two. The one win he had was against Russell Wilson in the Seattle Seahawks a few years ago. On the season, Dak Prescott, he had 37 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. He had over 4,400 passing yards. Last week, against the Philadelphia Eagles, Dak Prescott, he had five touchdowns, 295 passing yards. And I see Cowboy fans just going crazy on social media, just going completely crazy about Dak Prescott's performance in that game. But the Philadelphia Eagles were playing their JV team. They set out most of their starters in that game. So Dak Prescott, towards the end of the season, he was in a slump. He wasn't playing well. I want to see if Dak Prescott can get the ball to his playmakers because I think the Cowboys have an advantage with their receivers versus the 49ers secondary. Cedric Wilson, Amari Cooper, and CeeDee Lamb, I think they have an advantage going up against this 49ers suspect secondary. If Dak Prescott can get the ball to his playmakers, I think that is the formula for the Cowboys to be able to win this game. I don't know if the 49ers can contain this dynamic Cowboys passing game. I mean, on the season, the Cowboys, they're tied for second in the NFL with 282 total passing yards per game. That's going to be key for the 49ers. Can they stop Dak Prescott in the passing game 
and, and, and you know, put some pressure on Prescott with Bosa and Armstead up front, Fred Warner, you know, make a couple plays as the linebacker for the 49ers. If they could contain Prescott and, and, and you know, keep this Cowboys offense out of the end zone, the 49ers, they have a chance to win this game. They have a chance to be able to, you know, win this game and pull off the upset. They really, really do. But we know that the 49ers, they're one of the best teams, you know, in the NFL at being able to, you know, slow down your running game. I don't think Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard is going to have good games. I don't think they're going to play well in this game. I don't. I, the 49ers, they're ranked seventh in the NFL defensively against the run. They give up 104 rushing yards per game. Also, the 49ers, they only give up 22 points per game. That's tied for ninth in the NFL. So they hold teams to field goals a lot of times in the red zone. That's going to be key. It's going to be key for the 49ers to be able to make some plays up front. That's the front seven for the 49ers. They have to win against the Cowboys offensive line. I think the Cowboys offensive line is overrated. I think the 49ers can create some havoc for Dak Prescott in this Cowboys offense. You look at the 49ers defense, right? You got Fred Warner. You got Dre Greenlaw, you know, at linebacker. You know, you got Nick Bosa, you know, as a pass rusher. You got Armstead up front. They got some playmakers up front on this 49ers team who can apply pressure on Dak Prescott and make it a long day. It could, it could be a long day for Dak Prescott. I mean, Katavia Street, DJ Jones, they're going to be key at being able to apply some pressure on Dak Prescott and make him uncomfortable. If he's uncomfortable, I think that leads to Prescott pressing and that will lead to him turning the football over. If he's comfortable in the pocket and he's able to get the ball to his dynamic playmakers, I think that is a formula for success for the Cowboys and they could win this game in Dallas. But it's, 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 it's going to be a great matchup between these two teams. Between this game and the Cardinals-Rams game, I don't know which game I'm most excited about. I don't. Because I think both these games could go either way. Right now, I think Vegas, they have the Cowboys favored by three points. The over-under is 51. So it's going to be a big-time matchup in this game. I trust Dak Prescott a little bit more than I trust Jimmy Garoppolo, but I also believe that the 49ers are so great in the running game that I think they could slow down Micah Parsons and that Cowboys pass rush. And that's going to be key. That's going to be key in this game. And like I said, the next fact, also the next factor for the Cowboys is going to be Cedric Wilson. I think Cedric Wilson is going to be an next factor in this game because the Cowboys lost Michael Gallup you know, to a season-ending injury, I think Cedric Wilson is going to be key. In the game against the Eagles, even though it was against the AJV team, Wilson had five receptions, 119 receiving yards, two touchdowns. So it's going to be key for Wilson to step up as an X-factor in the passing game for Dak Prescott. This game is going to be a, a close game throughout, but I'm going to be honest. I think the San Francisco 49ers are going to stroll into Dallas and beat Dak Prescott and end the Dallas Cowboys season 
I am expecting the Dallas Cowboys to lose this game in Jerry World. I'm expecting the 49ers to have a trip to Lambeau Field next week to play my Green Bay Packers. I got 49ers beating the Dallas Cowboys. I'm going to go 30 to 27. I think it's going to be a high-scoring affair. I think Jimmy Garoppolo is going to play a great game and have the 49ers in a position to win this game on the road. And for whatever reason, Jimmy Garoppolo has played well late for the 49ers this year. I mean, again, he was a part of the reason why they were trailing in the game against the Rams, but he was a part of the reason why they were able to overcome a 17-point deficit. I'm rolling with the 49ers to upset the Cowboys, and we'll be seeing them at Lambeau Field next week, again, in the postseason. Let's transition to the wild card matchup in the NFC. We got the Arizona Cardinals at 11 and 6, traveling to LA to take on a 12 and 5 LA Rams. It's an 8:15 p.m. start on ESPN on Monday. Kyler Murray versus Matthew Stafford, two NFC West opponents who have already faced off against each other this season. You remember earlier this season, the Arizona Cardinals, they beat the LA Rams. What was it? It was in week four. The Cardinals, they beat the Rams 37 to 20 in LA. But then in week 14, the Rams, they went out to Arizona and they beat the Cardinals 30 to 23. And they got after Kyler Murray in that game. So I'm looking forward to this matchup. This honestly is the most exciting matchup of Wild Card Weekend, right along with 49ers Cowboys. I mean, this, this game has it all. These two teams are very familiar with one another. They play each other twice a year. But for me, let's talk about the Arizona Cardinals. That's what I want to start off in this game. The Arizona Cardinals are a team that is great on the road, but they struggle at home. In this game, I don't think the Cardinals are going to be rattled. I think they'll be ready for this moment. They are 8-1 and one on the road this year. They're only 3-5 and five at home. They lost five straight home games to end the season. So I think the Cardinals are happy to be on the road playing in L.A. This matchup is important for Kyler Murray to show what he's made of because, you know, on the season, Kyler Murray, his numbers, he is 24 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. He's thrown for over 3,500 passing yards. He is completing 69% of his passes. We know how dynamic of a playmaker that Kyler Murray is. He was an NFL MVP candidate earlier this season. And I think for the Arizona Cardinals to have a chance, they need Kyler Murray to make some plays with his arm and with his legs in this game. The Arizona Cardinals, they averaged 393 total yards per game. That's ranked sixth in the NFL. They are ranked 10th in the NFL at passing yards per game with 251 passing yards per game. And then they have 122 rushing yards per game. That's ranked 10th in the NFL. 
I think a key for the Cardinals is going to be Edmonds and Connor in the running game. Will they be able to run the football effectively against this Rams front seven? Because I saw last week the Rams, they struggled against the 49ers at being able to stop the run. Last week, the 49ers, they had 135 rushing yards against that Rams defense. And it's surprising because the Rams, they got playmakers up front. You got one of the best defensive players in the NFL and Aaron Donald. You got Leonard Floyd up front. You, you, you got Greg Gaines at nose tackle. You got, you know, Christian Rosebaum, you know, at linebacker. And you got Von Miller, a proven pass rusher who's made plays in the postseason. I don't understand why the Rams struggle to stop the run. What did they do? They struggle at being able to stop the run. And that's an issue. That's an issue because I believe if they struggle to stop the run in this game, it, they could, it could be trouble for the Rams. It could be trouble. And also, we know offensively the Rams don't run the football. They're ranked 25th in the NFL at being able to run the football. They average 99 yards per game. So it's important for the Rams to be able to win in the trenches in this game. On the defense, I want to see if the Rams can put some pressure on Kyler Murray. There's not going to be no DeAndre Hopkins in this game. So that matchup with Jalen Ramsey versus DeAndre Hopkins is a big-time matchup. I would love to see it. I'm upset that D-Hop got injured during the season. But it's going to be key for the Rams to stop the Cardinals in their running game with Edmonds and with Connor. That's going to be key. And I want to see which one of these receivers can make plays for Kyler Murray in this Cardinals offense. Who's going to step up? Who's it, who's it going to be? Last week against the Seattle Seahawks, Ertz, the tight end, he stepped up. That was a great pickup for the Arizona Cardinals this season. Seven receptions, 84 yards. He was okay. But these other receivers like A.J. Green, it's a good chance the Rams want to put Jalen Ramsey on A.J. Green. So I don't expect A.J. Green to have a big-time game. I think Jalen Ramsey is going to shadow A.J. Green all over the field. So who's going to step up for the Cardinals in their receiving core? Will it be, you know, you know, Benjamin at the running back position? Like, is it going to be Christian Kirk? Who's going to step up? I just don't know if the Cardinals has anyone who can make plays in the passing game for Kyler Murray. He's going to need that. He's going to need that for them to be able to win this game. Defensively for the L.A. Rams, they are one of those teams that are ranked sixth in the NFL against the run, but they struggled against the run against the 49ers last week. And if the Cardinals can have some success running the football, it could be some trouble for that Rams defense. Now, they are ranked 22nd in the NFL against the pass. That's the Rams. They give up 241 passing yards per game. If the Cardinals can have a reliable receiver to make plays in the passing game for Kyler Murray, they could win this game. They could win this game. But with all that being said, Make no mistake about it. We all know that Matthew Stafford has a lot of pressure on him heading into this game. He has significant pressure on him heading into this game. The Rams, the move that they made to bring Matthew Stafford to L.A., everything they traded 
a way to get Matthew Stafford, giving up Jared Goff, giving up the picks they gave up. They brought in Matthew Stafford for the postseason. This is where Matthew Stafford needs to make his money and let it be known that he is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. But in his career in the postseason, even though he was playing with the Detroit Lions, Matthew Stafford hasn't played well. He's 0-3 in the postseason. He has four touchdowns, three interceptions. He has 303 total passing yards in the playoffs. He has not played well. And in the last four games of the regular season, Matthew Stafford threw eight interceptions. He threw eight interceptions. And then last week against the 49ers, he threw two interceptions. And the 49ers, they were able to pick off Matthew Stafford and seal the win. He completely underthrew Odell Beckham in that overtime loss. So I got my questions about Matthew Stafford. I know on the season, he has 41 touchdowns to 17 interceptions. He's thrown for close to 5,000 passing yards. But I believe Matthew Stafford has the most pressure on him more than any other quarterback heading into the postseason. I really, really do. Everything that the Rams gave up for Matthew Stafford, if the Rams are one and done, that would be a major disappointment for the L.A. Rams organization. And not just Matthew Stafford, for Sean McVay as well. Sean McVay, he went to the Super Bowl with Jared Goff in 2018. We have to see if Sean McVay can get the Rams back to the Super Bowl now that he has Matthew Stafford as his quarterback. You wanted Matthew Stafford, Sean. You got him. Let's see what you do in the postseason. I think the Rams have more pressure on them heading into this game than the Arizona Cardinals. All of the moves that the LA Rams have made, they signed Odell Beckham in free agency. They traded for Von Miller with the Denver Broncos earlier this season. They just signed Eric Weddle for the postseason. You know, offensively, they got Cam Akers back. They got Cooper Cup, one of the best receivers in the NFL. They got so many dynamic players on their team. If the Rams lose in their matchup against the Cardinals and they are one and done, I don't know if Sean McVay, I don't know if he'll be able to overcome that. Sean McVay has to get it done this postseason. Offensively, the LA Rams, they come into the game, they average 386 yards per game, ranked ninth in the NFL. They average 273 total passing yards per game. So we've seen Matthew Stafford throw interceptions, but he's been able to overcome those turnovers and perform at a high level in clutch situations in the regular season. That's the regular season. It's the playoffs. It's an entirely different animal in the playoffs. And we know pressure burst pipes. And I saw last week when the 49ers came back in that game, Matthew Stafford seemed rattled. He seemed rattled. And I don't know if I trust Matthew Stafford in the playoffs against a Tom Brady or against an Aaron Rodgers, which is why, even though this is Kyler Murray's first playoff game, I got to be honest. I think I trust Kyler Murray a little bit more than I trust Matthew Stafford right now. I really, really do. Like, Stafford has gotten rattled in important games for the Rams late in the season. Eight interceptions his last four games is not good. It's not good. But, you know, I want to see 
what kind of impact J.J. Watt will have in this game. They say J.J. Watt been practicing this week. He looks like he's going to play in this game. You know, Chandler Jones up front, as well as a pass rusher for Arizona. You know, I think if they can apply some pressure on Matthew Stafford and rattle him, I think that could be a recipe for success for this Arizona Cardinals team. And I think they could possibly pull off the upset. You know, up front, you got Jordan Phillips, who's questionable in this game. You know, at linebacker, you got Jordan Hicks, you got Chandler Jones, Isaiah Simmons, who was one of the best young linebackers in the NFL. You know, like they, I think they have some guys at linebacker and up front who can apply some pressure on Matthew Stafford. I, I, I really do. In the back end, you got Buda Baker, you got Byron Murphy. You know, I want to see how they perform against Cooper Cup and Odell Beckham in the passing game. Like, I want to see. Like, that. that's going to be a key right there. You know, Byron Murphy, Jalen Thompson, Buda Baker, Marco Williams. You know, how will they perform against Odell Beckham, you know, Cooper Cup, Tyler Higby? You know, like, how are they going to perform in that game? Jefferson, the receiver for the Rams, how are they going to perform? Cam Akers. I think it's going to be important for the Rams to establish a running game with Cam Akers. They're ranked 25th in the NFL at rushing yards per game. They average 99 rushing yards per game. Can they run the football with Cam Akers and take some pressure off Matthew Stafford? Can you, can you do that? That's going to be key. If they can, they'll have a chance. If they can, they will have a chance. This is going to be a big-time matchup. Sean McVay versus Cliff Kingsbury. Cardinals playing with, with, with zero pressure. Rams playing with all the pressure to win this game. I think Kyler Murray is going to outperform Matthew Stafford in this game. I'm rolling with the Arizona Cardinals to beat the L.A. Rams in L.A. I got Cardinals 24, Rams 20. I think the Rams are going to struggle at being able to run the football, and I think it's going to come back to haunt them. I think Edmonds and Connor are going to balance out that Cardinals rushing attack. I think Kyler Murray is going to make two or three big-time plays with his legs in this game. And I think the Arizona Cardinals are going to advance in the playoffs, and they're going to beat the L.A. Rams in L.A. Cardinals 24, Rams 20. And I think it's going to be a disappointing end to the season for the L.A. Rams. Now, let's transition. And let's talk about the last wild-card matchup of the weekend. We got the seven seed Pittsburgh Steelers, who are nine, seven, and one on the season, traveling to Kansas City to take on Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs, who are 12 and five. It's an 8.15 p.m. start on NBC on Saturday night. First and foremost, let me get this out the way. If it wasn't for the new NFL playoff format, the Pittsburgh Steelers wouldn't even be in the playoffs, and the Kansas City Chiefs wouldn't even be playing on wild card weekend. So that's something to, to keep in mind. You know, there are 14 teams now in the NFL playoffs before it was 12. With the old format, the Steelers wouldn't have even made the playoffs. The reason why I'm talking about this game last is because my expectations for this game are very, very low. I don't expect very much excitement in this game. The Steelers and the Chiefs wouldn't even be playing against each other 
if it wasn't for the new NFL playoff format. The NFL playoff format now allows 14 teams into the postseason. And in previous years, it was only 12. So the only reason that the Steelers are even playing the Chiefs this weekend is because of the new playoff format. And the only reason the Chiefs are playing in wildcard weekend is because only one team gets a bye now. And I got something I want to show everyone. This is a picture on my phone. It's a picture of Big Ben. It might be a little bright. But Ben Roethlisberger retirement party. You are invited. So we all are invited to Ben Roethlisberger retirement party hosted by the Kansas City Chiefs Saturday night in Arrowhead in Kansas City. It's going to be a great, great event. I'm excited about it. I think this is going to be a blowout in Kansas City. I think this is one of the biggest mismatches in NFL history. I know the Kansas City Chiefs have struggled this year. They've been inconsistent. A lot of people don't believe that they are the same team that they were in previous years. A lot of people feel like that if there was a year where the Chiefs could get beaten in the postseason, it would be this year. And most people don't believe that Matt, that Patrick Mahomes had an MVP caliber season, although he had 37 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. He had close to 5,000 passing yards. He led the Chiefs to a 12-5 and record. Most people believe that Mahomes had, you know, a, a good year, not a great year like Tom Brady or like Aaron Rodgers or Joe Burrow. But at the end of the day, the Kansas City Chiefs won the AFC West. They are the second seed in the AFC. And if it wasn't for the Titans finally pulling away from the Houston Texans last week, the Chiefs would have been the number one seed in the AFC. This still is the Kansas City Chiefs. They still are one of the best teams in the NFL. And it's funny because most people believe that the Chiefs are having a down year offensively. But when you look at their total points per game, they're ranked fourth in the NFL. They score 28 points per game. Their passing attack, led by Patrick Mahomes, they're ranked fourth in the NFL with 281 passing yards per game. Their total yards per game is 405 yards per game, which is ranked third in the NFL. And they are still one of the best dynamic offenses in the NFL. But when they had that streak earlier in the season, and when they won, I want to say they had won, they like went on a they went on a streak earlier this year where they won eight straight games. They aced once eight straight games on that eight-game winning streak. I thought it was their defense that played at a very, very high level on that eight-game winning streak. And then when you look at total points given up per game, the Chiefs, they only give up 21 points per game. That's ranked eighth in the NFL. So they hold teams to field goals in the red zone. That's impressive. But again, we all know this team is led by Patrick Mahomes and the weapons that they have in Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. Tyreek Hill on the season, he got 111 receptions, 1,239 receiving yards, nine touchdowns. Earlier this year, the Steelers and the Chiefs played back in week 16. The Chiefs dominated that game. They beat the Steelers 36 to 10. At one point in the game, it was 36 to 3. Travis Kelsey didn't even play in that game. And Tyreek Hill, he 
didn't do much in that game either. I think he had like a few catches, but he didn't he didn't necessarily play well in that game. What did he have in that game? Tyreek Hill, two receptions, 19 yards. So in that game, the Chiefs dynamic playmakers and Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill didn't even have an impact on the game and they still blew out the Steelers by 26 points. It was a complete mismatch. And the only chance that I give the Pittsburgh Steelers is them having Najee Harris run for over 200 rushing yards. That's the only chance that I give the Pittsburgh Steelers. But the Pittsburgh Steelers, they're one of the worst teams in the NFL at running the football. They averaged 93 rushing yards per game. That's ranked 29th in the NFL. So for whatever reason, this Steelers team, they want to rely on Ben Roethlisberger to help them win games. That's why you see Roethlisberger have, you know, stat lines where he has over 40 passing attempts, but he only has 120 passing yards. You see that because this Pittsburgh Steelers team want to rely on Roethlisberger for some reason. That's not the strength of their team. The strength of their team is Najee Harris being able to run the football. But the problem is the Steelers' offensive line isn't very good. They're not very good. And that plays right into the hands of the Kansas City Chiefs. I think the Chiefs up front, you know, with Chandler Jones, with John Reed, with Frank Clark, if you can get to Ben Roethlisberger, that could be trouble for this Pittsburgh Steelers team. I think that in this matchup, the Steelers have to run the football with Najee Harris. They can't rely on Ben to go toe-to-toe with Patrick Mahomes. It will not happen. Not at this point in his career. Maybe four or five years ago, maybe at that moment in his career with Antonio Brown, with Le'Veon Bell, I could see Roethlisberger being able to keep up with Patrick Mahomes and go toe-to-toe with Patrick Mahomes in a playoff matchup, but not at this point in his career. And the Steelers, offensively, they averaged 329 total yards per game, which is ranked 25th in the NFL. I just don't see any way the Steelers being able to keep this game close. I don't see no advantage that the Steelers have. Maybe T.J. Watt can dominate the game and wreck the game to the point where it's close in the fourth quarter. That's the only chance I give the Pittsburgh Steelers. Maybe T.J. Watt can wreck this game. Maybe he can get to Patrick Mahomes three or four times. And maybe the Steelers can make some plays in the fourth quarter and have Roethlisberger pull this game out. Because in his career, Roethlisberger, he has 52 game-winning drives, which is the second most in NFL history. He's led seven game-winning drives in the fourth quarter and overtime this season alone. And I'll give Roethlisberger this credit. He improves as the game goes along. He plays big in the fourth quarter. So this year, this season, the first through the third quarter, his completion percentage is 62. And the fourth quarter is 70%. His yards per pass attempt in the first through third quarter is 57 in the fourth quarter is 7.3. 
his touchdown to interception ratio. He has 10 touchdowns to nine interceptions in the first three quarters. In the fourth quarter, he has a 12 touchdown to one interception ratio. His passer rating in the first three quarters is 76. And in the fourth quarter, his passer rating is 109. So in the fourth quarter, Roethlisberger, he wants the Steelers to be in a position to be able to steal this game on the road and have one of the biggest upsets in NFL playoff history. So I hear Roethlisberger when he's in his press conference, he's saying stuff like, we don't have a chance to win this game. We're just going to go out there and have fun. I think Roethlisberger wants to get to the fourth quarter. So he wants Mika Fitzpatrick, Najee Harris, TJ Watt. Hey, get me to the fourth quarter and let me make some plays in the fourth quarter for us to be able to pull off this upset. That's what Roethlisberger wants. That is the formula for the Steelers to be able to steal this game on the road in Kansas City. It's not going to happen, but that's their only chance. Keep it close to first three quarters and have Roethlisberger make some plays in the passing game for the Pittsburgh Steelers to be able to upset Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. It's a slim, slim chance for the Steelers in this game. I mean, this game is so lopsided. And again, we just saw less than three weeks ago, the Kansas City Chiefs completely dominate the Steelers at Arrowhead. They dominated them less than three weeks ago. What confidence should I have in the Steelers when they just got beat down by the Chiefs a few weeks ago? This is a bad matchup for the Pittsburgh Steelers. A bad matchup. I just think the Chiefs have too much firepower for the Steelers in this game. And I think if Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs score 24 points, I can't see the Steelers being able to score more than 17. I can't. And I think that's being nice. That's being nice. I can't see the Steelers score more than 17 points. If the Steelers win this game, it's going to be 17 to 14. 14 to 7 or 14 to 10, something weird. Something weird has to happen for the Steelers to be able to win this game. So, you know, maybe TJ Watt can wreck the game, keep the Steelers close, but this, this will be a blowout. It's going to be a blowout. It's not much to talk about here. The Chiefs are 12 and a half point favorites at home at Arrowhead. I expect the Chiefs to cover that spread. I expect the Chiefs to dominate this game. I'm rolling with the Chiefs to beat the Pittsburgh Steelers 34 to 17. In week 16, the Chiefs beat the Steelers 36 to 10. I think it's going to be a similar type of game, but I think this, the Steelers will be able to, to keep it within 20. I got Chiefs 34, Steelers 17. Chiefs will advance to the divisional round of the playoffs, and Roethlisberger will head off into the sunset and retire because this is his retirement party in this game. Everybody remember going to follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H, also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. It is super wild card weekend. Just to give a recap, I got Raiders pulling off the upset here in Cincinnati at Paul Brown, 24-21. The Saturday night matchup, AFC East battle between the Patriots and Bills. I got the Bills beating the Patriots 27 to 17. 
in Buffalo. And then in the NFC wildcard matchup, seven seed Eagles at two seed Bucks. I got the Bucks beating the Eagles 30 to 20. The other NFC wildcard matchup, Niners at Cowboys. I got Niners winning this game 30 to 27. I know earlier I called it an upset, but I don't even really think this is an upset. I think the Niners are a more complete football team right now, and I think they're playing better than the Cowboys. The Cowboys, they are 6-0 against NFC East teams. They're 6-5 against everyone else. So I think the 49ers and Jimmy Garoppolo get it done. In Dallas, in the Monday night matchup, it's going to be a great game in L.A., but I got Kyler Murray, 24, Matthew Stafford, 20. So I got the Cardinals beating the Rams in L.A., going to be a disappointing end to the season for the LA Rams and I got the Chiefs of course blowing out the Steelers 34-217 everybody remember to go follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H also on Facebook Wise Guys make sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at these guys no sports it's going to be a great great weekend of football enjoy NFL super Wild Card Weekend. I'm Trey Larkins. I am signing off. Have a good one. Wise Guys. Tracy Larkins. Chris Mitchell. Tracy Larkins. Chris Mitchell. These guys know sports. Wise Guys. These guys know sports. Wise Guys. Tracy Larkins. Chris Mitchell. These guys know sports. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.